Welcome to the Thinklings Podcast, a conversation where good thoughts help renew the mind with the Word of God. I'm Charlie Carter, and I'm here with Tim Little and Andy Stearns. Let's jump into the conversation. In a hole in the seminary basement, there lived a podcast. So we just were talking about that earlier. We thought that'd be really fun to start the podcast that way. The Thinklings podcast. Yeah. Just like a hobbit, which a retirement dream of mine is to have a hobbit house. Oh, like an awesome. actual, like built into the side yep. of a hill, big green round door mm-hmm. and like all the little tunnels. <sighs> have you seen those Airbnbs that are doing that? Like, yeah. re- oh, I just want to go to one. I, so, okay. I saw something. <laughs> you on, guys are ridiculous. I saw something on Facebook or Instagram about one of these out in like Idaho or Colorado or Utah somewhere out yeah, there. I think I saw the same and one. Oh, of course we did because the, Mets, yeah, I mean, the Mets algorithm, right. they're all oh, yeah. the same things. <laughs> uh, but I, I looked at that on Airbnb to book that one. You'd have to book like at least like 13 or 14 months out. Oh, yeah. It's, it's great. Like they're making a killing. I'm sure it's a great idea. I mean, anyone who's a Hobbit fan who doesn't want to live in a Hobbit hole. But anyway, so this is not a typical episode. If you haven't already figured that out, we're not going to have a normal books and business. Books and business. Moment of silence. Sorry. No books and business. But we are going to talk about books, just not in the normal way. Way back when, almost, what would that be? Math is hard. 63 episodes ago. (laughs) That's crazy, by the way. 63. So almost the 70 episodes. Retirement age. They grow up so fast. But so episode six was titled Some Thinklings Thoughts on Reading. So if you've read the title of this episode, you've noticed it's some more Thinklings Thoughts on Reading. And so it's a new year. We're just getting into February. And maybe you want to read more books this year. So we just want to talk about practical tips to help you read more. Some thoughts on reading that, you know, maybe they're helpful to you. Maybe they're not. But that's what we're going to do. We're going to go around the table and share some practical tips on reading. So anyone want to go first? I can go first. Boom. So um, here's one tip that um, I try to recommend to students. So uh, there's different kinds of reading and there's different um, genres. So you have fiction and nonfiction. And even within those broad categories, you have, you know, splintered, especially in the nonfiction category. I'm going to talk about nonfiction reading. And so one one tip that I tell students as they're trying to read for content in a nonfiction title is to just breeze through a chapter and look at the headings. Most books are written with headings, and you can get a general idea where the author is going in the chapter just based upon the headings. Okay, And then once you see where somebody's going, you can you can uh, engage the author more as you read through the material, okay? So one tip in reading first, just look at the headings and blast through the chapter. By the way, you can start at the very beginning of the whole book. And of course, what are all the headings to the whole book? The chapter titles, all right? So that would be another level of this. But just getting into one chapter, look at the headings and just blast through it. Maybe and read the intro and the conclusion and you should generally have an idea of what the author is trying to say in that chapter. So if I have a book I really want to get into, I do that. And I have a number of outlines on my computer, and I literally just type out the headings. And if you make a standardized outline, Roman numeral one, chapter one, 
subheading A is your subheadings. You'll even get down into like the one, two, three, third levels. And then just go back and read the outline and think about like, okay, what's he saying? What's she saying? What's the argument? That helps my brain. And that's going to go with one of my tips here in a minute. It helps my brain build a skeleton to hang all that information on. So that is a huge tip. I think that's a good one. I'll just dive in actually with one of my tips. So for me, anytime I read a book, my first question is not conceptual. And this is going back to Adler's book, How to Read a Book. I don't want to know what the concepts mean. I don't want to understand what the author's trying to say. My first concern is structural. So Tim, your outline method, huge. For me, I will always read the table of contents and try to figure out what am I going to be told. If your mind doesn't know like what's coming, then you're not going to retain anything. And I think that's part of my retention problem through the past. I would read a book like it was a novel. I just go page by page without doing any research. And you really got to, what do you want to call it? Like you digest the book as you read it, but it's like you're, it's like you're at the buffet and you're taking a sample along the whole row. Maybe is that you need what you'd to, say? You need to ask the author questions as you're reading. So then it's like you're interacting with the argumentation. So it's like, why is he saying this? What's the purpose of this section? Or how does that well, prove his argument? So it's like engaging the mind. So that I think that, so I think you're actually, you're, at least what you started off talking about, Andy, I think you're talking about two different things. Yeah, that's totally separate. So, sorry. So like, he jumped talking about, a, this is, so the reason this keys in my mind, sorry, I just snapped right next to my microphone, is um, Kaiser, when he talks about uh, a method of exegesis, his first step, there's like that, grammatical historical interpretation oh, uh -huh. idea and he changes it he's like just so we don't under like misunderstand how someone else used this term he's like i'm gonna come up with my own and he calls it a structural theological method and so his first attempt at biblical exegesis is only grasping structure yes and not thinking about the theology yet so you get you get the like the grammar mm -hmm. and the flow the diagram of it and then you come back to that skeleton that you've crafted and you're like, okay, now here's the main sentence. What does that mean? And how do these other things play into it? And so actually I really like that both as a biblical method, but that just any, for like an academic technical source, like thinking through structure, if it's like Lord of the Rings, don't do that. No. Cause like read the story, just read yeah. the story. Yep. But for an academic book or a more thinky, heavy type of an idea translation, starting with structures, really yeah. good. And I would say there's two parallels. So if you think of the best Bible study method out there, the observation, interpretation, application method, that's just observation. I tell students, you don't ask what the Bible means at the observation level. You just want to know what it says. And essentially, when you're doing an outline, that's what you're making. And then uh, Greg Kokel in Apologetics, when you're you know, having a conversation, his first question is, what do you mean by that? How did you come to that conclusion? You're not actually s saying you disagree or agree. You just want to know. So I think it's like a level of observation for your mind. So asking questions of the author would then be an outflowing that'd be more detailed in that reading process, understanding the structure of the argument. And mm -hmm. then... Um, so this is one of the tips that I try to recommend to students is that when you're reading, if you've gone through the chapter and just looked at the headings, then ask the author questions because they're trying to answer certain questions as they're writing. And then that's going to engage your mind. If you don't have any questions that you're expecting the author to answer, then your mind is not being engaged and you're going to be daydreaming and thinking of, you know, 
the basketball game or some attraction or whatever else. So you actually bring up, you mentioned a basketball game. Like I often see, or you know, I've been around faith for 12 years now, which is not you know, a drop in the pan, but uh, I've often observed students taking books to athletic events as if they're going to read them at the basketball game. I've read books at not basketball games. I mean, it's like you're not setting yourself you up saying, for success Carter? at that point. What are you saying? Like you just you just made a point about like just being lackadaisical or distracted while you read, and then you're like, oh, I'm going to watch a game and then read at the same time. Now, I maybe I will say this. the intention isn't to really watch a game, Carter. I don't know. That seems like a slam dunk of a plan to me. <laughs> Who knows? I mean, just why would you, why would you want to read something? In, the, in a distracted Why would you sense like that. Want to go to a basketball game? That's a valid point. So let's get back to tips on reading. And you mentioned something like so. There was this assignment that Dr. Doug Brown, also known as Santa Claus, on our podcast. <laughs> there was an assignment that he would give out in hermeneutics for years, and he doesn't do it anymore because enough people sufficiently complained, and. That was this book by Kevin Van Hooser. Is there a meaning in the text? Is yeah, is there a meaning in the text or it's such like a that? good book? It's a, it's a very large book on hermeneutics, which is theory, and it's hard to read hermeneutical theory. And he would give this assignment of outlining the book. Now, not at all telling me what you, telling him what we think. It's not an analysis at all it was outlining what he was saying and at the time you're like why am i doing this it's actually a genius assignment because he's making he's forcing you to think through the structural ideas that the author is giving you like outlining it in your mind and then being able to reproduce it in a written form it's like he's helping you take the first steps of really getting what's there and i'm not sure if i still have that assignment somewhere be really interested to go back and look at mine but like that's kind of what we're talking about right there is taking time to do that but then i can hear the student screaming or the pastor or the mom all of which are busy people so do i have to read it twice i gotta read through it once and just think about the structure and then i gotta read it again to think about what it means i don't have time to read the book twice what, what would you say to that I'd say you haven't really read it. Yeah. So the people that just like read every word, okay, they aren't really reading the book. They're getting a check mark on an assignment. When I assign a book to be read, what I just explained to you is how I would expect you to read it. And I wouldn't expect you to read every word. I would expect you to be able to read through the book and and ascertain the general ideas asking the author questions about the book, all of that. That's like how you read. That's how you should read everything. It's a thinking okay? exercise. Correct. Yes. And if you're not engaging with the actual argument or thought of the of the author, and we've all done this. I did it too. When I was in classes, I was like, well, I said to read every single word. Well, I better read every single word. I just went through five pages. <laughs> I have no idea what any of it was about, but I made it through the five pages and I ain't going back. Which is why the systematic skim can help you people. 
So the what I've just purported or tried to explain to you is going to make your reading more helpful, valuable, faster, okay? And it's and it's the way it's supposed to be. So a lot of times I'll read through the whole headings and then I'll get to a section and I'm just like, I know what this guy is saying here, okay? Yep. And so then I'm just reading like the first sentence of a paragraph to see if he's saying something different and I'm done. I'm moving on. Well, it's very, what's very common in books is they will make a point right away. And then many paragraphs to follow are all supporting that same point. Right. Mm-hmm. That's good writing style. That's what you're looking for is but that So first if you've point. already grabbed the concept, Correct. do you need to grab mm-hmm. every argument for the concept? No, if you're already no. agreeing with his his yeah. main point, his premise, then you're done, and then you move on to the next maybe section. Just apologize in advance to any undergrad professors that do want or or graduate level that want them to read every word. Um, so listen to the well, syllabus. We're but, not we're not guiding <laughs> students exactly here. We're trying to promote yeah. a general, culture of reading like real to life. just yeah. real life people, mm-hmm. and yeah. and so if you're stuck reading all the time, it's probably because you're not reading the right way. So you read for content and for information. You're mm-hmm. trying to answer a specific question when you're reading. So what is that question? Go after the question, and yes. then you're done if you've answered the question. For you know, and just to put this into practical terms, I think I can easily now, when I look at a structure of what a, an author's trying to do, you're in, and this is Duval and Hayes, and they're yep. preaching God's yes. word. You're hanging oh. a clothesline. And you're hanging things on the clothesline. They're looking at that from like a preaching, uh, a text type of it. But like when you go through and you pull out that outline or that structure, you're just, it's a clothesline for which you to hang ideas on later. And when you start off with that, you understand the map of where everything's going to go. It helps, it really does help you read faster. And you, you should not approach every book as page one to page X and you just chronologically read it. Uh, especially academic works because they, they're not built to function that way. Mm-hmm. And so if you'd have told me early on in my academic career, early college or like late high school, even, even I mean, deeper into college, like you could easily read multiple hundred pages a day. Like you're nuts. It takes me way too long. I can't do that. But if you if you know how to look at the book and you have that clothesline to hang ideas on. I mean, it, it is very doable to read multiple hundred pages a day and, and it doesn't feel like you're you know, burdening yourself with this like huge burden. You know, you're just exhausted at the end of it. Um, like it's very common for me before I get to work now to read through 50 pages and not even really blink at it because you're not reading every word. It's what, remember how to read a book. Mortimer yeah. Adler has like the levels of reading. This, what, what you were talking about is the difference between elementary reading, which is literally just sounding out the words. See, and, spot, run. Yeah. And then what he would call like you have pre-reading and then you have like much higher levels of reading where you're what looking philo- for content. What philosophical ideas does Spot have as he runs? <laughs> Do I agree with running in general? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so there are different kinds of works and books that you are reading. And what we're prescribing is what I would call like genre a, study. Okay. <laughs> so what we're describing right now is like the regular Christian living, the stuff that you're going to, that's mostly on the shelves of like faith bookstore. Okay. Uh, but if you get like 
I remember one student, he was really struggling, and he brought uh, Erickson's Christian Theology in. And so I sat down, and there's like not many headings, and they're very, you know, yeah. epistemology or ontology. And he's like, I don't even know what those things are. And I'm like, yeah, well, okay, this is a different kind of reading. Being yep. and knowing. You're Being not gonna, knowing. you're not gonna be able to just do what we just talked about with Erickson's Christian theology, especially his introductory chapters, where he's explaining why epistemology first systems don't work, and you need to subscribe to an ontology first philosophy. I mean, probably most of our listeners had no idea what I just said. Okay, Gesundheit. <laughs> So, so when you're reading that kind of literature, sometimes, and this has happened to a class in a class that Andy and I both took, you actually have to sometimes get out different colors of pens, mm -hmm. okay? And you're literally sometimes diagramming out the argumentation Which of is the author one page at a time. And that structure, back to that yes. structural. That is, but it's at a very minute level as opposed yep. to the whole chapter is going to be at like a page by page level. Well, think about it like a, it's like a, a brick wall. Each of those bricks fit together and you get one row of bricks and then you have three or four rows of bricks and eventually you have a whole wall. And here you have chapters and paragraphs and sentences and words. And guess what? You slowly start piecing it together. Mm -hmm. Eventually you're going to understand what the author's saying. Correct. Mm -hmm. So that component right there, there was one book that uh, Andy and I both had to read for uh uh, it was a PhD level class, uh, Gadamer. Yeah, by Georgia Warnke. By Warnke, and um, and we literally would read a page and not have a clue what we were reading. Like I have no idea. I just I read it. like we would read it out loud. Yep. Okay. And we're like, I have no idea what they're talking about. Okay. It's true. It was the same way with Saving the Appearances by Owen Barfield. I remember we got together at a reading group, and we just had us all around the table. And so I had one person, I said, why don't you read this page? And they read through it. And then I was just like, okay, does anybody have any clue what they're talking about? I mean, I think everybody at the table thought we were just going to keep going. But then when I asked that question, they just were like, yep. I haven't a clue. Well, we had no idea what he was saying. We went straight from alpha to he beta. He was again, out thinking. there, though. <laughs> he was. Right. So then everybody had to go back to the beginning of the paragraph. And we were literally start diagramming out the paragraph to Barfield figure out what he was saying. Barfield is incredibly esoteric and mystical. And some of his ideas quite literally aren't founded. And so like there are times where I think like that is just a reasonable yep. conclusion is like, I don't know what in the world. So at the same time, there's a value to making your brain think that hard and to creep yeah. through it. And so I would encourage you to read Saving the Appearances by Owen Barnfield or even Warnke's uh, I'm actually going to go back and read that again. I don't but I have, I'll talk about that. Warnke? Yeah. I'll talk about that. Gadamer by Warnke or whatever. So maybe let's pause there for a moment. And we've talked a lot of, I think the last you know, 20 minutes of discussion is taking a, a wide angle lens perspective on what you're reading, thinking through what type of reading you're doing, and based on the type of reading, approaching it a little differently. So like an academic work, structural analysis can be very helpful at the, at the beginning, understanding what the author's trying to do, where they're going, probably not as important for narrative. Uh, so there's a lot of discussion there, but then actually what are you doing as you're reading? We kind of talked about that. So I'm about to pivot. That's why I'm summarizing, you know, try to effective communication, right? Good. So here, here's a tip 
that I, I'd like to give. It's it, it's just an extended metaphor. This it's true. This principle, this wisdom idea, is true of many categories of life. Difficult things get easier the more you do them. Mm. Okay. If you want to go work out, I'm going to go work out in just a little bit here, and I'm going to try and lift a whole bunch of weight. And, you know, I've been diligently trying to get stronger, lifting weights for probably like eight, nine months consistently now. And so I'm much stronger than I was when I started. And I have tracked it. I know how much stronger I am. If you're not a consistent, routine reader, you're not going to jump into high-level reading tomorrow. You're just not. And so the, the practical tip here is kind of two from that idea of hard things get easier the more you do them. So repetition is wise. From that idea, I'm going to latch two other practical steps is to set goals and have a routine. So having goals, having a routine. And with the routine side of it, I would just say if you really want to read, get better at reading, just never take a day off. Now, that doesn't mean I'm going to read 50 pages or 100 pages a day. There's days you just don't have time for that. And so if you really want to improve in reading, just make the commitment, even if it's just one page, one page. I'm going to grab The Hobbit off the shelf and I'm going to read one more page. You read that day and you build the routine of reading every day. Now, pause there for a moment. Hopefully, many of our listeners are already doing that with Scripture. And if you're not, hey, I'm going to read at least one paragraph of my Bible every day. That's reading too. Very different type of reading than Erickson's Theology or uh, Warnke on Gadamer, but you know, probably more beneficial than those things. Um, Definitely. <laughs> but so, that, so the routine is don't take a day off. And over time, what do you find? Is that you're doing way more than you used to, and it's because you're slowly building up that, uh, it's not a real muscle, but that muscle memory of, of reading, that diligence in the routine. And, uh, you know, we could digress into a discussion of, well, really, that's a battle of desires. Like, you have competing desires. I don't want to read. I want to do other things. Well, that's, that's good, too. Uh, but just for now, read a page, just commit to reading a page a day. And that's where I'm at right now. And some days it's like five pages. And then there's other days you just, you know, you have more time, you get on a roll, you really you start to love what you're reading. You love the study. And one page becomes a hundred really quick. Uh, so the routine, and what was the other side of it? Uh, goal, setting a goal. Goals, yeah, goals you said. Here's why you set a goal. It's not so you can be like, oh, wow, look, I did this thing. But maybe if you can hear the tone like, oh, wow. I did that thing. I don't know if you can hear the tone difference. One is prideful and one is really thankful. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and why I like goals is because when you meet goals, you see growth. It's one of the greatest motivators. And so I can look back and like, hey, I had this goal and look at how much I've read. Like, and it, it gets you excited that you've, you've done something that you haven't done previously. And so, you know, there's all the practical wisdom tips of, you know, it's not realistic to say, I'm going to read you know, 5 million pages this year. Uh, no, you're not. Um, <laughs> but if you set a reasonable goal of, I want to read, you know, how many books did you read last year total? You're like, I read five books. Well, I'd like to read 10 books this year. 
And if you know that a book should be determined by 207 pages, because that's the average of the original Lord of the Rings, then, okay, that's math is hard. 20,000 pages? You do that? No, 2,000 pages. Don't ask me. Yeah. 207 times 10, 2070. Math. So, like, I'm going to read 2,100 pages this year. And you keep track of that. And you get there, you're like, wow, that's that's awesome. I did more than I've ever done. And you just you tracking that goal and that success is a motivator and it's helpful. Uh, so those would be the two two ideas for me there is you know, harder things get easier the more you do them. And so I think that is a practical tip of wisdom, right? Maybe you guys would agree. I would ag- Looking at Tim over here, our proverb. Yeah, so this is the whole like you're creating a godly habit. You're yeah. putting off the old man and saying, oh, you know what? Part of the new man is to think better. Reading helps me think better. Amen. I'm going to put on the new man. What yeah. does that look like? I have to practice it. And it's just like playing an, a musical instrument. You can say that you're a pianist, but if you don't ever practice, you're not a pianist. You could say you're a reader, but if you're never reading, then you're not a reader. Okay. You have to do it. And that's what Charlie's really prescribing is you need to do it. And I think that there's some you know, a ramp up to that in our thinking, you know, if you're desiring to read more and you're, you're not following through, maybe you've kind of come to, and this is with any resolution, really any, any like goal you set, you don't meet it. Eventually there is a competition of desires and it's not that you, you know, you wanted to do one thing, but you really wanted to do something else more. And so maybe the test of that goal is, yeah, I really want to read 10 books but also really want to rewatch that show on Netflix. Hmm. Unsubscribe. Yeah. Well, and that's, you know, if, if that's what you're recognizing is that there's a competition of desires like that. And the one that's not edifying, not as helpful, not as excellent, not as virtuous as winning. You do have to turn away from that. So, <laughs> uh, part of the goal setting and the routine setting is understanding these are not helpful things, <laughs> which um, I used to have, I think, all of those subscription services. And now uh, I got some of them so I could watch some sporting events. But I I just can't binge watch things anymore. It just like eats at my soul. And so, you know, if you're going to binge something, binge a book series. You know, it's so much better for you. It's the vegetables of entertainment. Andy's got a lot of points. Just a, a couple of things real quick. Building <laughs> off done. what Charlie's got, the the page, when he's talking about read a page, at least a page, okay? So if you're reading a fiction book, a lot of times you read a, at least a page, okay? If you're doing like a nonfiction title, read a chapter, all right? And read it the way that we talked about and just re- blast through a chapter really quickly and just do that on a regular daily basis, Okay. Okay, so I was comment on that. So, <laughs> yeah, you got to comment. You can't. I can't just listen you, to that. You, yeah. So All right. I would say I would say best practice is to not leave off in the middle of a chapter. The kind of the sentiment of the one page is instead of not reading yeah. today, I'm going practice. to read something. Yes, I would agree. Um, you know, and, and, and hey, there's a lot of ways to to read shorter things. Um, uh, jumping on a blog you know, Chally's or something like that, like reading an article online mm-hmm. that yeah. is maybe easier to access because it's on your phone as opposed to mm-hmm. an actual book. You know, just just 
the sentiment there is it's better for me to read something today than to be like, oh, well, I'll read the chapter tomorrow. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. the, the chapter will be one or two pages less if you read one or two pages today. Mm-hmm. And what normally happens for me is I can't leave a book. Yeah. Something about the reading and you engaging your mind, you actually want to keep reading. And uh, that's just a good, healthy thing. Like your mind being active. And so if you, oh, we could, man, we could talk about boredom here too. I think Andy's got like four points. Okay, yeah, I'll I don't, know. I don't need to give them all. That's fine. Oh, give them all. Well, I'll say this. Okay, so we'll, we'll shift to a new, tra- new, new issue. So if you've read before and you found yourself reading and your mind wanders, so what do you do when your mind wanders? I think I thought of an illustration to answer that. So this is, this is interactive. So you guys are in a conversation with someone. You're talking to a real person. Then we'll go to talk about, talk about reading. And you find your mind wandering as you talk with this other person. What is the scenario? Describe the scenario. Why does your mind start to wander in a physical conversation with a person? Think about that for a moment. I got two answers. You might come up with The more. question is why? Yeah, why? Like you and I are talking. I'm uninterested or, or in you, a conversation. Okay, you're uninterested. That's one. So it either, and why are you uninterested? There's two answers that I can think of why you might be uninterested. So am I answering now, why am I not interested? Yeah. So you, you lose interest oh. in the conversation and your mind starts to wander, but there's physically a person in front of you. I know this is happening. You're, someone's talking, droning on, and, and you just you're losing interest. Yeah, you're kind of like your mind wanders. And then they ask you a question and you have to like try to figure out what they just said. Why did your mind wander? You're distracted. Okay, you're distracted. You love something else instead. More. Yeah, you love something else, something instead. Okay. You're fishing. I am fishing. We're, well, not, just, we're not catching. No, you're close. You're really close. Here's what I think it is. If you're in a conversation with a person and you find yourself mentally checking out, it's probably one of two things. One, whatever they're talking about is very not relevant to your life. So they're talking about fishing and you don't care a bit about fishing and you're trying to listen to be nice, but you're like, I don't care about this. And so you lose interest or like Charlie, you and I talk about something and Tim's like over here rolling his eyes because it doesn't interest him. The second reason. Fun and wholesome things. Oh, well. Tim doesn't like fun and wholesome things. Come back to the The conversation. The other thing I think that (laughs) is probably true in those situations is the conversation has stopped being a conversation and it's turned into a monologue. The other person's talking. And you're not getting a chance to say anything. There's no interacting. Okay. Now, take that to reading. I'm reading a chapter and I go a whole page and my mind wanders. Why? I'm not conversing with the author. I'm not writing notes. I'm not asking questions. I'm not engaging the author. I'm just letting the author talk to me. And so because the author's droning on, as it were, and I'm not doing this engaging with the author, asking questions, what do I think? Like at the end of the page, Charlie, you were saying this earlier, at the end of the page, ask, what did they just say? Do I agree? Do I not agree? You were telling all all this about, like you're talking to your students about that. So I think when you don't do that, you treat the author like they're just this monologuer in front of you. Yeah. And then secondly, when you don't ask questions, the book's not relevant because it's not interacting in your life. Sure. So I think that maybe a tip would be to make reading not a spectator sport, but a conversation. I would just say that. And you, you've already mentioned that, but I think it's worth yeah. saying in that illustration. Yeah, it's good. Just like a real conversation, I think it, it falls so apart because you're bored mentally. A part of that, the relevancy thing is it, why is reading important? And I think we could easily justify, oh, I'm reading this commentary on the Bible. I'm mm-hmm. reading the Bible. 
I'm reading this theology book. I'm reading this thing for college. I'm learning things. So then what would you, maybe that, well, we're getting kind of in our target zone of time. Maybe wrap up with this idea. How would we, I don't know, he has more tips. That's fine. I got one more on my trip. Even more thoughts on reading. Oh, yeah. But so how then would we justify or what is the relevancy of fiction? Well, I would say the content is what I'm talking about, not the idea of reading. You just I'm opened up a whole new can of worms. Top, I know. Yeah. Yeah, we okay. don't want to do Maybe that. Well, you're, you're, you're reading and you're like, this isn't relevant. There's no point to this. Well, And so like, I think there'd be a lot of people who would point to something like the Lord of the Rings and say, that's just not relevant. Right. And so they're not ready to read something like that. And that gets back to his question. And this is something I recommend to people. Read something that you're interested in. Yes. Okay, so it's yep. a regular issue, especially even for grade school kids, which, you know, I take my kids to the library. I'm like, this is what's nice about like a homeschool kind of a curriculum. You can tell the kid, I want you to pick the book. So then it's something that they want to learn, at least to a degree. Sometimes they just have to do it. But, and so read something that you want, that you're interested in, that intrigues you. And, and, and sometimes you need to curate your loves for the right kind of things. You might be mm-hmm. wanting something that you shouldn't want or that something that's just, like if you're reading fiction all the time. But anyway, I want to hear your other points. I'll save them for an, another episode. Oh. Well, I mean, I think, okay, I do think it's okay to read fiction all the time, though. I mean, maybe not exclusively, but I think... To read what? Fiction. Like you. Oh, yeah, you can read fiction. That's fine. It shapes your affections. Make sure you read the good stuff. But yeah, yeah. Because yeah. I, think, I think that would be, to answer my own question, why is fiction relevant is your imagination. Is important, but some people read too much fiction, and you need to be balanced thinking more. And fiction doesn't wow, some fiction can really make read you read that hideous strength, brother. Most fiction doesn't make you really Boom. think, so most, most kind of doesn't. Okay, so if could we summarizing our practical tips, so mine would be build your structure first. You got to build a mental structure, and if you don't, you're not have anywhere to hang your knowledge. And that, and that Tim, was kind of your thought on: don't focus on reading every word, but start with the headings mm-hmm. and the that type of thing. And mine, we got into goals and a routine. Mm-hmm. Then we kind of ended there with when you said that difficult things always get easier the more you do them. Is yeah. that how you said it? Yep. So I think like being consistent, you're shaping the affections. The, mm-hmm. the repetition idea. Mm-hmm. And then kind but, of our last big one there was have a conversation. Reading is not not reading in a monologue sense, but mm-hmm. in a you're being very active in a yes. in a conversation which there's this really old book or book really old movie called The Page Master where this it's the kid from Home Alone, Squirrel. Is it? No, it's not. It's right on theme. Where he he goes in this library in the middle of a storm and then he like it's brought into this like cartoon story. Squirrel. But he's like talking to the books. So he like, there's a pirate book. Oh. And there's like a, like oh. a scary ghoul mm-hmm. type of a book. But then he like goes into those stories, but he's like talking about, he's talking with the books in the story of the book. So he goes into Moby Dick and he's talking to like this like sea captain book. It's just interesting how he's like journeying through these things, but it's like in a very real sense. Like, He's doing this with the book, like with the author. It's cold. The whole point of that, go watch Page Master. Anyway. Um, <laughs> I gotta uh, read a book. 
Well, I don't know if it's a book. Maybe that's the best way to end a podcast on reading is, hey, go watch this movie. Horrendous. <laughs> okay, well, there's some tips for you. We'll come back in another 60-something episodes and uh, give you more tips. See you next week. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Thinklings Podcast. We would love to hear from you. If you have any feedback, suggestions, or potential topics that you'd like us to discuss, you can contact us through our email, thinklingspodcast at gmail.com. Remember, don't let this conversation end with this podcast. Read good books, talk about them with your friends, and always continue to cultivate your mind. See you next time on the Thinklings Podcast.